Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hello, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley, and today I am thrilled to have Natalia Barr, the founder of Empowered Cookies, on the show. Natalia, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you. Really excited to have you on here and have you share a little bit of the story and the journey of Empowered Cookies, uh, how you got to where you are and kind of the good, the bad and the ugly of the journey of having a food company. So maybe we can just kick it off. Can you just talk to us a little bit about what is Empowered Cookies all about and who do you serve? Yes. So the Empowered Cookie is a soft baked chewy, fluffy, moist cookie that also is gluten-free and is grain-free and is vegan and plant-based and is sweetened with coconut nectar. So there's no cane sugar in it. So we really serve allergen-friendly folks and we serve people who want to live a low-carb lifestyle. So if you are a foodie who wants to satisfy your palate, but you're like, I'm trying to stay as healthy and fit, manage my figure as much as possible during quarantine, not trying to do the quarantine 15, then these cookies are for you. My whole goal was to put all the checks in the boxes and the industry is always like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I was like, no, I think we can have our cookies and eat them too. We can absolutely love what we eat and feel like, you know, this was totally good for my body. I woke up, I had a cookie for breakfast and I feel good about it. So that's our goal. I'm totally on board with that goal. You know, if I can have cookies and not feel guilty about it, uh, sign me up, sign me up. I'm there with you. Exactly. What led you to start this? I'm assuming you're a cookie lover. I, you know what? I'm a sweet tooth lover. I have a raging sweet tooth and it's been a quote unquote problem (laughs) my whole life. And so it's interesting now that I've made a career out of my sweet tooth and that I was a Girl Scout growing up and now I'm like a, a grown scout in my adulthood and peddling cookies, but that are, you know, truly good for you. And I, you know, the Empowered Cookie launched because I had a problem where I was like nothing on the shelf for myself or at the time I was a private chef for people with food allergies and athletes and those wanting to, you know, excel in their careers in the athletic world and who I was cooking for. And so we couldn't find anything that was packaged that they could have with, you know, going out the door, either with their coffee in the morning or pre-workout, post-workout. And so I started coming up with gluten-free, grain-free cookies and snacks that were low inflammatory. And so that's where I got the ingredients because we use almond meal and flax meal instead of like flour for the base and we use coconut nectar instead of sugar and so I started playing around with all these alternative ingredients that people really want to put in their body we're just like how do you get this in a yummy convenient form and I came up with the empowered cookie and 
I, you know, kept seeing this space on the shelves in grocery stores where I was like, there's nothing like this. And everything I'm trying literally tastes like cardboard. It literally tastes like you have had it in your glove compartment for six months or you sat on it or it went to space and back and it's just not good. And it's insulting for people who with, especially if you have food allergies, it's hard enough finding something that you love to eat that fits with your diet. And so um, I really wanted to give people that satisfying feeling with the mouth feel with desserts, but also feel like they could eat it and it fits within their dietary means. So that's, that's how the journey started was solving a problem that I was experiencing, that my clients were experiencing, and that I knew millions of other people were experiencing also. And it's a frustration that I found unnecessary and something that I was determined to, to fix. I think that's where great products really come from is when you are like firsthand seeing this problem and you just know that there's a better way, especially, you know, you being uh, like making meals for other people, you recognize that it can be done. People just haven't decided to bring it to market at a larger capacity and you were able to take that expertise and see this need in the market and literally package it up together to deliver to people. Totally. There's a a level of settling that consumers think they have to do in all industries. And in the food industry, people are told, you just can't have both. You know, you have to make a compromise. You have to sacrifice taste and texture if you want to eat healthy. And I completely disagree. And I wanted to build a product that embodied that, you know, debusting of that myth that no, no, this here in Power Cookie is all of those things. And so let's all level up our snack and Hopefully those companies producing cardboard will be like, yeah, we're behind the times. We need to step it up or stop using resources and making bad products out of them. (laughs) One or the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before the fact that being a founder in any area and especially the food industry, you know, there's, there's a lot of pros, cons. There's a lot of hurdles along the way. Um, would you mind sharing some of the lessons that you've had as a food founder that you maybe had to overcome from when you first started on this journey or just, just some of the main lessons that have really helped shape how you now go to market as a food founder? Yes. So the road has been and continues to be windy and bumpy and up and down and you need a seat belt and a helmet and a whole lot of patience and tenacity. Um, that's why you have to be super passionate. And I have always been obsessed with food and thank goodness, because if I wasn't so obsessed, then I wouldn't have made it. I really think obsessiveness and like fixation is a necessary quality to getting to that quote unquote finish line, even though it's metaphorical and you never really finish. But you have to, you know, be losing sleep over solving this problem, even if you weren't getting paid. It's just something that's just like a burning fire inside of you. And so some of the hardest parts, especially starting, was, you know, not the food part, but everything that goes with it but behind the business. So packaging has been almost nightmare. (laughs) It's like, it's been, you know, I'm not a designer, I'm not an artist, and I'm the type of consumer that cares about what's in the product, not what the product looks like. But in CPG, it's all about what you're wearing. You know, the packaging has to be cute, has to be eye-catching, and there is so much noise on the shelves. So finding the right package for the Empowered Cookie has been so challenging, everything from an engineering standpoint 
to design, um, finding the right way to convey the message. And so I really, you know, I had to find people that were way better at this than I was and then raising the capital to hire them. So I had the product dialed down, but the, the lesson of finding, you know, we had a black package before this and it was like branding suicide. Like black was just terrible on the shelves. It was not appetizing. It was actually collecting dust in the grocery store shelves. Like it was a, literally attracting problems. I had no idea were going to happen. And I had consumers saying, is this cookie old? And, you know, I'm like, it's not at all. You have to open it and find out. But I, I realized that I should have ran the designs by a lot more people and, and had mentors and just really had people in my corner that could give me feedback that I, I don't always need to take and move forward with, but I need to listen to and hear. And so packaging has been, you know, a, a huge lesson. And in a sense of those to success, and you you don't always know where to go till you know where not to go. And so it's like this ping pong game of like, hey, that didn't work. And now let's pivot and go in this direction. But in that pivoting is like huge money sucking holes. <laughs> so trying to raise enough capital to pay for your mistakes is, is a huge bed, like a, a marker of entrepreneurship is how resilient can you be? Um, and especially the food industry, when you have a package on the shelves and all of your e-commerce sites show it and the consumers are used to finding your product that looks like that, and then you go and make a change and people completely forget everything about you. You know, you have like four seconds of their attention in the grocery store. And if you make a change, that four seconds is like one second and it's gone. So it's an unforgiving industry in a lot of ways. And um, change is inevitable. You know, you're always going to be tweaking with the packaging. And so I've had to really be cautious about just slowing down where I know we're going to go and, and make more precautionary steps along the way, like hire a mentor to guide me uh, through the packaging industry. Um, so I'd say packaging has been a huge hurdle. And then um, capital raising, you know, finding people who one, believe in your company, but believe in you and have, you know, see your potential to be a leader, but also see the product as a potential to be a leader in its own category. So I think we're in an era where you have to have both. As the founder, you have to have leadership skills. And as the creator of the product, you have to know that the product is leading the way in innovation and is going to be resilient throughout the times. So, you know, we're living in an era where there's a lot of crises in environmentally, um, socioeconomically, racially that affect the food industry. And your brand has to be relevant throughout those waves. Otherwise, it'll get buried um, in the noise. So it's like a two-pronged success that takes a lot to be successful at. You know, you have to be willing to to take the criticism you don't want to hear and adapt to it and, and make a product that's really designed for consumers and for the era that we're living in. And that's why the Empower Cookies is so profound is because it's, it's relevant to empower us through our day with the nutrition we need to stay healthy, but also to empower a broader food system that is responsible and sustainable and will be around for generations to come because it's built, you know, on in a long-term game strategy instead of a short-term exit strategy so I can make a bunch of money and make my investors money because that's not the goal. Did you question whether or not you wanted to raise investment capital or not? I re recognize that this is a piece that a lot of food founders um, come up against in terms of do we raise money? Do we do friends and family only? Do we bootstrap everything? Like what did that decision look like for you 
to decide to go the route that you ended up going? Yeah. So I have hustle DNA, I'm, which is a good and a bad thing, but I'm always like, I can do this. I got this. I'm scrappy. I'll put it together. And that you need in the beginning, no doubt. It's essential. Pulling those all-nighters and packaging everything yourself is, will be the beginning of your product. Or, and it's <laughs> it wreaks havoc on your personal life. Um, but that bootstrap mentality is a necessary step to raising capital. So for me, I, I mean, I literally had, I would go to parks and sell cookies out of a basket. I would go to music festivals and sell cookies out of a basket. I would go to pop-up events. And so I was raising money. And I was also in that time testing the market. I was being like, oh, this is the most popular flavor. People love this. And I was getting feedback about what people thought about cookies. So I was yes, raising money, but also hearing, you know, the kind of the direction I should take as far as the flavors and and texture, because I am not, you know, this product is, yes, it's for me, but it's more for consumers. And so I needed to do sort of like some field work. Um, So I raised my own capital, you know, like $10,000, not very much. Um, And that's not like, oh, I have $10,000. I'm going to use it. It was like, I have $100 today. I'm going to buy some almond meal. Um, And of course, I happened to choose the most expensive ingredients on the planet, you know, right? It's like flour and sugar are pennies on the dollar, but I'm using almond meal and coconut nectar. It's like, you know, I'm draining like my college fund for my future kids (laughs) on my ingredients. Um, And so I turned to my family. I raised like $5,000 through my grandmother um, in order to get my first packaging run. And then I turned to my community of people who I used to cook for, who who believed in me. And so in my phone, I had people that I could call. And if I just had the guts to ask, um, I really believe that if you never ask, the answer will always be no. And so I'm not too proud to beg. I think if you believe in your mission enough, you'll do whatever it takes. And it's not like I'm asking for money for me. I'm asking for money to fulfill the mission so I could feed more people. And when I bring that value I'm bringing into the conversation, I mean, I'll dress up as a clown and juggle around and ask for money. I'll do whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm not too shy to, to say that or do that. And so that's because I believe so much in what I'm bringing and how in the way in which we're feeding people and the ripple effects of a positive, responsible food system. So, you know, finding people who believed in that, finding investors, I'm still, because anytime you raise capital, you will be giving away part of your business for that money. So that exchange is a personal near and dear decision where it's like, who is, who is worth the like blood, sweat and tears I put into this business? You know, the, the years of not sleeping, the years of cooking, the years of working, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, like who's worth that um, sacrifice I've made and, and do our values align. So I'm still in friends and family rounds right now. Um, I've raised less than a million dollars and I've got, you know, we're, we're national. And so you can do a lot with, with scrappy hustle DNA. You'll make a little go a long way. And um, I feel like that investors really want to see that. They want to see how savvy you are, how frugal you are, and your level of sacrifice and, and what you're willing to do and go the distance. Um, and so if you can, if you can illustrate that you're you know, creative enough and resourceful, then I feel like those, like, I don't want to pitch to VCs. I would love to avoid raising as, as it's glamorous and sexy to say I raised 
you know, millions of dollars. Every business owner wants to say that, but in reality, what you had to give up to get there, for me, it's not worth it right now. I'm fine staying humble and raising smaller amounts of money and, and chewing, you know, not buying enough more than I can chew, um, just to not name drop, you know, the VCs that invested in me. Cause that's again, you know, money's not the goal. It's necessary to be profitable, but the goal is to, is to feed people in a responsible way and to have a board of, of advisors that believe in the mission so much that they'll keep opening their pockets. Yeah. I think what you touched on there is really interesting in terms of when you're so committed to the purpose, you're going to go and do what needs to be done. It takes away that pride that some food founders might have. It takes away that ego. It strips away all of that. Oh, I don't want to ask this person because it's not for you. And you, you said that and I love that. It's not for you. It's for the mission that you're on. And I think that that's a really big gem that a lot of people should think of if you're feeling uneasy about asking for money. I think separate yourself from that. You are the CEO of your company. And I think that a lot of times in business, it's important to step into that CEO role and not, I'm the founder. This is for me. It's not for you anymore. It's, it's for who you're serving. Exactly. Okay. If you were to go back in time from like when you first started the company, what would you have done differently? Um, I mean, looping back to money, I would have raised more money before I got the wheels in motion because what happened is I had come up with the recipe. I had raised a little money. I had packaging and the wheels started turning and I started getting more orders than I could handle. And it just, it got out of control too quickly before I had a strong foundation, before I had accounting, you know, like I was selling all these cookies and then I was getting paid and I was like, Oh God, I need to track if I'm getting paid the right amount. And, and so like, it's a lot harder to backpedal and clean up than, and it's also not a good look. You know, you're going to go raise money and you'd be like, yeah, I don't look at these years. I didn't really have it down. So Starting off because you're passionate, you know, you're like your mind is on 1000, but your feet are still, you know, just two feet. And so like understanding, having a plan and entrepreneurs, we suck at, you know, written plans. We're really good at being visionaries and, and getting the job done. But when it comes to like having a roadmap and the amount of money it's realistically going to take to get that done. And, you know, that's a lot more than we ever think. We always need more time. We always need more money. We always need more manpower. And so trying to be as like overthinking about that, I wish I had been in that mode, but I was in the like, I got this mode. And so it it created a lot of fires to put out and I wasted money and I wasted time. And my whole point was to like, you know, be quick and to be savvy. And it really backfired on me. And so I wish I had, had raised more money in the beginning to hire people to do the things that I ended up taking on like packaging, which ended up being a total nightmare. And so having mentorship in the beginning, even just one person, you know, like my mom was my mentor, bad idea. You know, my mom's always going to tell you what you want to hear. You're doing great, sweetie. Keep going. Like not helpful. And so having people tell you what you don't want to hear, but you need to hear that tough love. And it's really going to save you time, save you money and help you learn in, in the earlier phases. So you can jump over those pitfalls that other people have stepped in. Um, and so, yeah, I wish I had hired people that were better at things than I was and delegated and also reached out. Like I was 
I should have asked more entrepreneurs in the CPG industry, like what they thought. I was kind of shy. I was like, oh, they're busy. I don't want to bother them. And who cares? You know, people love to talk about themselves. Like they would have totally been happy to sit down with me for half an hour and talk about, you know, how to get into, you know, what it's like being in Whole Foods and places like that. So just like slowing down and, and giving myself a buffer of time to, to pull back and look at a bird's eye view of my plan and, and go more um, incrementally instead of like take huge leaps. I wish I had done that. That's really great advice for everyone who's maybe at those beginning phases right now where they're facing their own challenges as every business owner does at new levels. And I think that's really, really helpful for people. Yeah, I would also say that like check the assumptions that you're making. You know, we all are like, oh, could people will love that flavor? Like maybe they won't. You know, like I have this idea to make a flavor that I think I love it, but it's it's not always we just have to get more. And that's another thing that takes more time is, is get more input from the mouths of the people that you feed or in any industry is don't just go based on what you and your friends and what you see on social media, but actually get some solid data on, on what it is that you're doing and, and check the things that we think will go smoothly because those are the things that are going to end up being like a literal fires and you're going to be like, oh my God, this was not planned and, and it's going to derail you. So um, I think that's something we could take into life also is like, let me, add, let me check my assumptions and, and validate them. Because those can be really costly pieces to figure out down the road too. You go to market with a flavor that you think is going to be hot and consumers are not into it. You know, that's a whole lot of time, money and energy that you just spent uh, that you now need to, you know, go back and make up or that you could have invested somewhere else. Like you could have doubled down on a different flavor or your number one selling skew to begin with. I think that's really sage advice for people. I was just going to say that you're not sitting on like 10,000 bags for that flavor. You're like, hmm, no one's buying this. How do I repurpose this? Yeah, you can't. (laughs) No, that's where it's that liquidation sale, make up whatever you can and close that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the chapter you burn. (laughs) What about where you're at right now? Like what where are you going from a growth perspective? What is the piece that you are looking to crack right now as you're growing the Empowered Cookie? Well, we're growing the Empowered Cookie during, as everyone you know is experiencing this global pandemic. I'm sure we're sick of those words, but it's the reality. And you know, it's interesting because I've never uttered the words "I love the packaged food industry." You know, I've always like, "Yeah, I love the food industry," and then there's the packaged food industry, which is a whole other beast. But during COVID, um, we are well positioned to weather this crazy storm. More people are shopping online for prepackaged foods than ever. So, growing it with that mentality that channels are opening up and we need to intersect with our consumer before she gets there. You know, our our demographic is 80% plus female buying for her household, buying for her and her partner, buying for food allergies she experiences. And so our strategy has been going to unconventional retail, um, going to lifestyle places where a consumer hangs out. So she's at Soul Cycle, she's at the juice bar, she's at the coffee shop, you know, meeting her there. And so, th- given that those places are closed for the foreseeable future, where can we go, aka pivot, which is another word I'm just so sick of, but it's such a good little dance to pivot. And so the plan, we actually had a plan to launch a, a ice cream cookie 
this summer and bringing into retail stores and brick and mortar, like even ice cream parlors. And that whole plan crumbled um, before our eyes as ice cream places aren't open. And so, you know, we're really driving e-commerce right now, which thank goodness is showing growth and the Amazon beasts of the world is where, you know, we're finding new customers. And so the goal is to be, you know, we sell in QVC, we sell off our website, we sell, you know, we are always like putting um, ads up on social media and trying to garner more eyes and, and help people see like, this is what differentiates us from other cookies in our category is this mission that we're on is to bring like ethical, responsible qualities to the cookie category taking a classic sweet dessert that we all love and making like healthifying it in this yummy foodie way. But you know, the hurdles I'm facing now is again, funding that mission while our investors, most people with capital are holding onto their chips and they're pulling them in and thinking about themselves understandably. And so here comes your hustle DNA trying to be really resilient and creative. And, and what can I do to raise money during a time when there's less money like flowing through the pipes? Um, and also products that were retail uh, necessary, like an ice cream cookie. You know, I'm not really trying to ship ice cream cookies through the freight in summer. Um, it would be like, there's a lot more logistics that go on with like launching that. And so, um, yeah, the hurdles are, you know, again, like the foundations of what makes your business tick, raising that kind of money that people will believe that when we're done you know, living in a COVID environment, that this product is going to shine through and through. And if something like this happens again, we will be able to be, come out on top. I mean, I feel like another thing that is so essential to, to being an entrepreneur, whether you're living, you know, during a pandemic or not, is the, the, the knowing of like, you know, the path that we've chosen is not, it might not be blazed before. It might be really, you know, you have to do a lot of bushwhacking. You're going to have to do a lot of, like closing your eyes and trying to find your way in the dark. And so that's that level of, you know, it's a combination of like gut feeling and instinct and then like data, data, data. And so the entrepreneurs that really succeed who can use that left and right brain and be, be innovative enough to like take times like this as an opportunity and see problems as a chance to shine and, and find the lanes that are empty and, and try to fill those. And so like, what do people need right now? We need humor. We need delicious food. We need joy. We need sarcasm. We need laughter. You know, we need all those things. And so how can we build those into our brands um, how can we, you know, with the Empower Cookie, how can we make how can we make eating healthy sexy again? Like no more cardboard boredom. Done with it. I want to eat some like yummy, yummy food. And so like the emotionality of food is something that I try to ride with in the Empower Cookie. And, and all industries have that is is how to be how to like pull on your heartstrings, whether as a delicious cookie that you crave or as a brand that you're like, oh my God, yes, finally, finally somebody gets it. And the Empowered Cookie is an extension of the values of like compassion, you know, and that's also the values of life is short, so let's live it well, let's eat really good food. So the intersectionality of where, you know, our values collide is where the Empowered Cookie lives. And that's something that builds resilience into the brand in and of itself is no matter what we're going through, we all need to eat and we all are craving happiness and comfort. And so we're here to bring that to people. 
Yeah, I will say the packaged food and beverage industry is one of the industries that has been really thankful to be in this world with everything wild that's been happening in 2020. People need food and they're stocking up on it and they're looking for ways to be healthy and they're looking to bring joy into their life. And food is one of those necessities that people are going to turn to. And so it's actually been for a lot of companies, it's been it's been great for business. There's obviously been some that have seen the other side of it. But you know, for those brands, it's this time to take a step back, take a look. Is my packaging right? Do I have the right flavors? And maybe do the things that they didn't do <laughs> before or they never made time for whatever it was. And now it's this gift of, of time in a way to get right what you maybe didn't focus on getting right before. And the P word that everyone is sick of, pivot when needed. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's true. For anyone who is just starting out on their food founder journey right now, or maybe in that messy middle area, what's a piece of advice that you have for them? Um, Honestly, my advice is more personal. It's less entrepreneurial. Um, And if if you have, you know, a business mindset though, those two things are inseparable. My advice is to really decide again, do your best to try to, your mind is so excited and your hands are ready to get dirty and do the work, but do your best to like, you know, build structure into your life, like going to do yoga or working out or meditating, something where you're really looking at what is this going to do to my life? And am I ready for slamming on the gas pedal and am I, and missing the birthday parties, missing, you know, having kids in your 30s and being able to like really do both. And not, not to say you can't have kids in your 30s, but the, the choices you're going to make and what that will do to your personal life the sleep you won't get, you know, the Sunday nights you won't, like, I don't own a TV. I don't own a Netflix account. I I don't even, I'm so out of touch with like pop culture and, you know, like TV shows and all this stuff because I spend every time that I have with my business. And are you, is it like your child? Are you obsessed? Are you passionate? Does it keep you up at night in a good way? And, and if you have no to those answers, you're going to kick and scream through part of this journey. And instead of seeing it as like, wow, this is character building. This is like, this hurt, this mistake I made hurt financially, hurt my ego, hurt my pride, hurt my reputation, um, hurt my pocketbook, all that. Like, am I going to be able to wear this as a badge of honor or am I going to be having like a fit about it and, and not being productive? And so I think it's really a matter of, am I built personality wise for business? Am I in good physical, mental, emotional health? Because business will really wear you down. You know, like I have a, I've finally picked up a habit of meditating and thank goodness, because it's such an incredible foundation for just calming the nervous system, which is the right, you know, foundation you need to make sound decisions in business and not be impulsive and not be emotional and not take things personal. You know, that's such a huge asset. Entrepreneur, I mean, investors look for grown people, you know, you can be 25 and grown and you can be 40 and not grown. You know, there's a way in which you carry yourself that is, it conveys through your product, especially your branding, especially your social media presence. Um, And so the, the inner personality about being a successful entrepreneur is something we all have to ask ourselves is, do I have what it takes to build that? Because we're not born with it, but do I possess leadership qualities? 
am, am I somebody who can, you know, pick and choose my battles and, and know, you know, financially where to put money in and then and not just be like assuming, oh, this will work. I'm going to pour a bunch of money down that and, and hope for the best. Um, so it, it's really like doing the inner work and being able to, and, you know, the humility it takes to build a badass team, people who are like way better at you to the point where you're so intimidated to even hire them you're like oh my god I'm like actually scared of you but super excited about the fact that I'm scared of you and so like those those really you know powerhouse individuals should be you know your teachers and and the idea of money yes you're hiring them but you're learning from them and so there's just there's a lot of aspects about being a successful entrepreneur that aren't related to you know I don't have a finance background I never went to business school I'm a pastry chef um, with a like relentless hustle and I'll I'll work until I get the job done and, and I'm I'm not too proud to you know do whatever it takes to succeed and so I feel like that those are that's necessary and a lot of people just you know they they want to they're nine to fivers they want to clock in and clock out or they want to have a kids at like age 28 you know like and that's awesome that's just not me so like knowing your path because you will be tested you know you'll be real there's some huge hurdles that are going to come up and if you don't feel like you'll get past them then it's it'll be you won't enjoy the ride so much so I would say that yeah, because it's not it's not a smooth ride. It's a roller coaster and you don't know where it's going and you don't know if it's gonna like go off sometimes. Is this gonna have like it's gonna be great at the end or am I gonna hate this? Mm-hmm. I guess a follow-up to that would be is there like other than meditation, what has helped you stay true to the fact of like you knowing that this is the right path for you right now? Because I mean, I think most entrepreneurs go through more than one moment where they're like, is this the right thing for me? What am I doing? This is crazy. I'm missing out on my life. And that's a really tough piece to come past. So what's what's kind of kept you, kept you focused and kept you knowing that you're going in the right direction? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> and before I answer it, I'll say that there's, you know, there's stories I listen to. I always listen to podcasts and a lot of, um, about business and a lot of people have co-founders. And then sometimes one founder will need to like take a hiatus or sabbatical mid business and thank goodness they have somebody else to run it but it's a lot easier to address these things in the beginning before you get started and end up realizing ah this was like you know messier than I thought but and I will say having a co-founder is a great idea (laughs) I wish sometimes I had a co-founder I'm like yeah way to go Natalia you just had to do this by yourself just take the hard route why you always have to learn the hard way why (laughs) um so yeah if you know somebody and it maybe shouldn't be your best friend it might be somebody who you're like okay they drive me nuts but they're really good at this and I can separate those two things we share the same values um but habits that I have I exercise my little butt off um I play basketball I run I hike I lift weights I process my stress with my body and I sweat it out um and that is so essential I dance I I just love moving my body because it's the only time that my mind shuts up you know my mind like actually calms down when my feet are moving and thank goodness for that and then I I mean I cook I'm I'm a, a foodie and so I will also say as an entrepreneur like have Having multiple streams of income, you're going to want that. You're going to, because one will definitely break down at a certain point and 
maybe like I there's months when I, I haven't been able to pay myself um, a salary for the empowered cookie. And thank goodness I have a catering, you know, side hustle where I'm like, well, that's great. I have a couple jobs this month. I'll be able to pay my bills. So having other nets to catch you is going to ease your mind. And when your mind is at ease, you'll make better decisions. And so having something as backup and in a, you know, something that you love that has is like a constant because those things structure is, is also good to be able to recalibrate and um, bounce back when you have a decision that's, you know, gone awry or you don't know what to do. Um, knowing that you'll be able to personally take care of yourself financially is it really eases my mind. Um, yeah, but just like overall well-being, you know, do carve out. There's so much social time you won't get in. Um, but choose what's important to you and, you know, like build that your community. Cause I do, I will say I regret, I hate to think that I, you know, do regret and don't look at things as a learning lesson, but I do regret not building my friendships earlier on 35. And there's years I spent just, you know, doing tasks that I could have hired other people to do. Um, but I wasn't raising enough money and I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm not a Silicon Valley VC, you know, I'm a real down to earth baker. And so like the I, I'm at a different pace and because of that I I always said, Oh, I don't have time to hang out, I don't have time for this, and I do wish that I had because I do have time. I'm just compulsive, you know, this doesn't have to get done by this date. I'm just being an overworking American. And so like having people in your life that are like, you don't have a choice. I'm coming to get you. You've worked all weekend. I know you need, you need to eat. Let's go get a drink and get some food. Um, so have the, don't, you know, be able to check yourself and surround yourself with people who will be honest with you and not just tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. I think that's really important. Having that network um, is really, really key for your long-term success and just taking care of you as an overall human being. Business is part of it, but you know, we need to take care of ourselves as a whole. Yeah. Burnout is a real thing and no one's creative in burnout mode. And when an investor smells burnout, they run, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of reasons to truly take care of yourself and you want to glow, you want to shine, you want to hustle. And, but like, you know, you definitely, that, that emanates when you're hitting that breaking point. And so being able to steer yourself away from it before it happens is is where your network and your community are going to come in handy. All right. Before we go, can you please tell us where can people find the Empowered Cookie? I would love to. I love feeding people. (laughs) So come to our website, empoweredcookie.com. There's all sorts of discounts. You you sign in, you get a discount, then we'll follow up with your first order with a 20% discount. And there's yummy, drool-worthy food porn on there of cookies and it's a great place to like satisfy your your sweet tooth so empoweredcookie.com um and you can go to instagram empowered.cookie and then there's always you know we do airings on qvc that we'll post up there so if you are a qvc shopper which surprise surprise it's been a really great channel for us to reach new consumers at first i was like qvc is like they sell like vacuums and blow dryers like not cookies but it's been great so go to qvc if you're if you're there if you are you know in the natural food store we're in we're in hundreds of natural food stores and um and growing and then do i or do i not send you to amazon i don't know i mean i have a i have some moral bones to pick with amazon however i do understand that most people are shopping there and you're trying to get that free shipping what can i buy so we are on amazon and for better for worse (laughs) and you can find us there as well 
Awesome. Natalia, thank you so much for sharing your journey of building Empowered Cookies. You've dropped so many great knowledge bonds for everyone in here. And I'm sure this is going to help people as they are on their journey to growing their food business. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. And I can't wait to continue to watch you grow. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, Fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.